Today on the Dads Making a Difference podcast, I'm having a conversation with Kurt Storing. Kurt is the founder of Dad Work and host of the Dad Work podcast. He is on a mission to help you become hard to kill, easy to love, and equipped to lead. He will share today how you can embark on your own journey of authenticity so that you can leave a legacy for your family. We're going to dive into some conversations that require you to be a little bit vulnerable because guys, let's face it, we get easily triggered by the things that go on around us. Kurt's going to give us the secret of how we cannot be triggered and how we can be emotionally strong, physically strong, and present for our families. He's also going to give you a secret currency that you can use to build a stronger family. And that's not what you think. This conversation with Kurt Storing on the Dads Making Difference podcast starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. Kurt, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, brother. Man, I'm jacked up for this conversation. It's good to see you today. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Cam. Appreciate it. Kurt, you lead a group of men. I want to dive right into this because uh, for guys who don't know you, and you'll share your story a little bit, but for guys who don't know you, man, you don't pull punches. Like You get right to the chase and you challenge men to leave a legacy. And we've had other guys in on this podcast who've talked about leaving a legacy, but not quite the way that you do. And so I think to paint a picture of why you do what you do, would you mind sharing a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to where you are right now? Absolutely. Yeah. My uh, my story is one of hope, honestly, but it, it didn't feel like that at the time. And I say it's one of hope because here I am with a beautiful family, been married for almost 12 years, uh, four kids between 10 and, and six months. And so it all worked out. And if guys are going through a rough patch and they're listening to the podcast, but how can I be a better dad? I just want you to know, no matter how bad it gets, I thought like I'd have to end it all to be quite honest. I've made it work. And so first and foremost, it's a story of hope. There's never a time when you should be giving up here. But for me to get here took a lot of pain and it took a lot of not knowing what I was doing. It took a lot of um, anger and misery and depression and anxiety and uncertainty and feeling out of control. And that was my life between the ages of, I think I got married at 23, had my first kid at 24, maybe up till I was like almost 30. So maybe like six, five, six years ago now, um, things have been fairly good and continuing to improve. But along that journey, man, like we had kids young, we didn't have any support around us, especially wisdom support, which is a big thing that I like to talk about these days. Um, and we were just sort of winging it. Now, when all of my inner stuff came up in parenting, in marriage that I didn't know existed, um, I called them my, my defense mechanisms came out. So suddenly I wasn't in control anymore. I couldn't be perfect anymore. And that was one of the things, man, I was a huge perfectionist. Kids come, marriage comes, you're living with other people. I can't do those things anymore. And so when I was pushed upon those, what I just thought were personality traits ended up becoming, like I said, these self-defense mechanisms that I had developed long ago to help me feel safe amongst 
trauma and sort of a, you know, things that I perceived to be hard growing up. So when these things came to the surface, I'm challenged. Like, what am I going to do about this? Oh, guess what? I'm just going to yell because it's too uncomfortable otherwise. So to make a long story short, it started terribly, uh, even for the first two sons. And I finally found awareness, mindfulness, journaling, all this kind of stuff that eventually led me down the path of self-development and growth and, and really healing a lot of those wounds. Um, and then, you know, a few years ago, started dad work and a year and a bit ago got saved. So that's changed everything as well. Praise God. So that's, you know, the, the very quick two minute version of how we got here. Fantastic. You said so many words that are triggering words to me in such a fantastic way. <laughs> so uh, if guys are listening to this podcast, they know that you've just said some things that I hold value in and I appreciate. First, you mentioned not knowing and how you went through a period of time of not knowing. And I've spoken before about like, there's a power in leadership of not knowing. And right now you're a leader who's leading other men. How much of what you teach and lead now with other men came from this period and experience where you did not know? Man, all of it. <laughs> I had to I had to literally learn everything from the ground up. Um, and I, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. So can you maybe just give a little bit more um, definition around the part where, you know, I'm, I'm not knowing it? Is that the, I like didn't not know anything always growing up or answers. just not needing to have the answers? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted the answers yeah. because I was such a control freak, because I was mm. scared of what it might feel like if things happened that I didn't know or have control about. Okay. And so that's been a very painful lesson for me to be able to roll with the punches. And that's honestly something that I continue to work on now is how can I trust? How can I surrender? How can I trust God? How can I leave room for, like you said, things that I don't know are going to come? But in that, like you said, this leadership comes out because you then have to be able to go with good things, with things that aren't so good. And I think a huge measure of a good man is how he responds to difficulty and things that come up that he wasn't expecting. It's not that suddenly you're going to have a perfect life. If you go through programs, you get coaching, all the rest of this kind of stuff. And I think I thought that for a long time. I was like, if I could just get to the end of my journey, life's going to be awesome. And I'll be like everybody else out there who I assumed was perfect because I had a very poor view of myself. Like I'm never going to have problems again if I can just get there. But that's not realistic. Instead, what I found out was that, and this is what I tell my guys as well, like we're not looking for our kids to never trigger us again. We're not looking mm. for our wives never to snap at us again. We're not looking for, you know, the the job never to be taken out from us again. We're looking on how can we respond to that discomfort in the moment without flipping our lid or losing our cool or completely breaking down. So, I think that that's one of the things we talk about a lot and I'm continually seeking ways to get better at that and that's so much emotional work and journaling and communicating and talking to my wife and and just really looking back at the decisions I make and how I got where I am today. Amazing. And what you're sharing just connects so perfectly because um, it's, it's all linear. I look back at what you shared just in the last few moments. You know, you just finished with you respond, not react. And how that responding, not reacting requires you to surrender and put trust in the process. And I can't help but think about the self-defense mechanisms that you mentioned and how men, we have those defense mechanisms. You know, we get our back up, something happens to us, maybe we're spiraling a little bit, but those self-defense mechanisms, what were they for you 
And how did you overcome resorting to self-defense mechanisms to resorting to surrender and to trusting the process? Man, there, there's a lot to unpack on this one. So uh, I'm just going to go for it and you please interrupt anytime. Um, but when I think about self-defense, I think about the ego mm -hmm. in a sense, because I think, I mean, I've put it like this before, the ego is one of the first sort of acts of self-preservation. It creates what we believe about the world around us and how we fit into it. And the way that I looked at this a few years ago when I was going through quite a tumultuous time and I was doing a lot of journaling and thinking on this, I realized that the way I was presenting to the world was almost like um, I had a little carpenter in my head and he was a set designer for a play, for example. And you know, in the background, they've got plywood cutouts and someone's painted over it and it looks like a scene, but it's very two dimensional. Well, this ego, this carpenter in my head was creating cardboard or I should say plywood cutouts of my face. And he was presenting them to the world in a way that was at least a foot removed from my real face. And what that allowed me to do was have a cushion when negative things happened. And if I just presented what I wanted the world to see and not my real self, not my heart, not my soul, not my authentic self, then when bad things happen, they'd hit this mask in a sense, and they'd sort of be deflected. And I was like, ooh, man, this feels so much better that I don't have to feel hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. But it also stops me from love and intimacy and the good parts of life. And so I, I went through a period where I was trying to deconstruct this in a sense. And I don't mean deconstruct the ego and the whole, um, you know, th there's a lot of spiritual, you know, so-called spiritual things that talk about that and finding nirvana and stuff. I'm not about that. But I really had to see how can I present me, my authentic self? How can I truly interface with the world and where is this guy coming from? And so here I am presenting something that I want people to see so that I don't get hurt. But where did that come from in the first place? And I'm looking back and just to sort of make this really short and clear, I realized along the way that I was stuck in my childishness. I was stuck in the pain of my dad leaving my mom, uh, her reacting poorly, getting really sick, nobody really being there for me growing up. There's a lot of abandonment and all that kind of stuff that I perceived. And everything about this ego, this defense mechanism was protecting me from the feeling of being left, of being alone, of being separated from people who could care for me and be bigger than me, honestly. And so that's where it came from. That's what it felt like. But the, the way that I would do that would be through things like perfectionism. If I could appear to be perfect, then maybe I could get someone to love me. Maybe, and this is really a lot of years of reflection, maybe I could get my dad to love me enough not to have left my mom. You know, those are the thoughts that go through my head. I was also very controlling because again, I didn't want something outside of my control to happen because then I would be thrust out into a space where I was no longer able to make sure that nothing bad happened to me. And so in my childhood growing up as a, just a quick example, I felt the pressure of everyone else's emotions. I was the one who was the peacemaker. I had to hold it all in for everyone else, even though I was a little kid. And so all of that allows me to do that very well. But it also means that when things aren't like that, I feel as though I'm going to get it. Someone's going to freak out at me. Something bad is going to happen. Someone's going to leave me. And so these are just very small examples of all of the things that I do to defend myself against fear and loss and failure and stuff like that that's going to come up. And then in order to get through that, man, it has taken 
grief. And that's not something I hear a lot of guys talk about. Obviously, it takes journaling. It takes introspection. It takes brotherhood in men's groups. Like, oh my goodness, if you guys don't have a mentor or a group of brothers that you can talk about this stuff to, you have to. You absolutely have to do that. There's no other way in my experience. But grief, man, outside of all the other ways to sort of get through things, I had to let go and forgive. And the way for me to do that was to feel the initial feelings that I had never got a chance to feel as a kid, let's say. And so here I am about, this was probably five, six years ago, sitting with my grandfather. Again, older man, um, beautiful relationship with him. Thank, so thankful for him. And I'm talking and I'm kind of like blaming my parents. I'm like, oh, I just wish they did this. I wish they did that. And out of my mouth came like, I just feel like a three-year-old who wants his mom and his dad. And I just started weeping. It's like, what is this? Where did this come from? And I felt like I hit bedrock. I was like, oh, this is where all of my problems come from. And they all stem from there. So that process wasn't like, notice, write it down. Okay, now I'm good. It's like, hey, bro, you've got to sit and feel that until it's done and get to a point where you can see that it wasn't your fault, but it's now your responsibility to move on. And in fact, it probably wasn't even your mom and your dad's fault because they had a life leading up to this that led them to be who they were. And so just be grateful for who they are. So that process took months, probably even closer to a year or more. Um, but the grieving process was the thing that finally unlocked all of that pain, keeping me immature and childish and allowed me to then mature into sort of a more of a confident family leader, like a, a truly like a man. I felt like, I don't know if you've ever felt this before. I know guys in my group do. They're like, do you ever just look around at guys who are like your age or younger and kind of feel like the kid in the group? And like, these guys are just men. I'm like, bro, I felt like that all the time. And so this just noticeably has taken me from being like, okay, I'm not a kid. I'm now a man. And that was like my initiation process through grief. Wow. Man, that's so powerful. You said so much there that we could unpack, but there's a couple of things that just came up that I'd love to ask you about. You mentioned your dad left your mom and then you quickly mentioned your grandfather in a conversation you were having. Um, in our lives, male mentorship is so important. And, I, and you mentioned that too, like surrounding yourself with brothers who can hold you accountable to doing things. It In your growth process, as you were going through this, was it your grandfather as the male that you were looking up to, or was there someone else in your life that you kind of looked to for guidance or were you completely feeling like you were just isolated and alone? I felt isolated for much of it. I mean, mm -hmm. I was able to have a great relationship with my grandfather, but I, I didn't really know how to connect. Uh, he was also a Christian man and I was kind of like pushing against that. So I, I never let him get too close, even though he and my grandmother created the only safe space that I ever felt as a kid. Um, when, you know, your teenage twenties, whatever, it was hard for me to connect. So I always felt like I was the only person I could ever trust. Yeah. And everyone else had just always let me down. And I had outrageous expectations to prove that to myself so that I could continue going on subconsciously feeling like a victim, I guess. Wow. Cause I'm like, Oh, if you don't meet all of my expectations, I know I can't trust you. I'll just pull away and be by myself. And that's, isolation is so killing, man. Like isolation is, I think one of the biggest tools, the enemy, just like distraction. But if you're a man and you're feeling isolated, I promise you, your problems are not so unique that nobody's been there before. And obviously you're special, you're unique, you're, you're individual. Yes. But I honestly feel like having sat in men's groups for like years now and heard the deepest, darkest, craziest stuff, there's like maybe 10 ish paths of suck. 
that guys go through. Yeah. And like, if you get 10 guys in a room, chances are you will at least resonate with one other guy who's like, yeah, bro, I have felt that. Like I also had suicidal thoughts or I also had this, you know, sexual impulse. I also had whatever. And it, you realize with other men that you're not so unique that you cannot be helped and you cannot move forward. So in that it was very isolating for me until I joined my first men's group. Yeah. And that was sort of a long, I got, dude, I got so far alone. I was really good at doing the work, so to speak. Yeah, but yeah. when I see how far I got after joining men's groups and after opening up to other men, it was like I did 5% of the work alone. I used to think like 95%, yeah. not even close. It's been nothing like sitting in a group of other intentional men and talking about what actually matters instead of like, hey, bro, do you watch the game or you want to go grab a beer? Like, I don't have time for that because I've got a family who depends on me. And I know that iron sharpens iron is like mm -hmm. a very real thing. Yep. Uh, and I've just witnessed it in my life and in all the groups. Everything I do now, man has a group element to it. Every coaching program, every course, every men's group, every workshop has something to do with men talking to men because it is like the secret that unlocks so much as long as you're being fully honest and authentic in there. And uh, yeah, so it, it was a growth from, from loner to, to not. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men, to be dads making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. I have a mentor that always says, isolation is the enemy of excellence. And I, and I've never um, appreciated that more than after I joined a men's group, a mastermind group. And you realize that when you are alone, you are never operating at full capacity. And there's times we will shut people out because we think we know better. And I think about back to your story about this perceived abandonment and you wanted to appear to be perfect. But I think that all comes back into that piece of proving to ourselves that we're worth it, that we matter, that we have value. And when you're alone and you're in isolation, you will never feel that you matter and you truly will never appreciate your value and what you bring until you surround yourself with other men. I truly believe it. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, you mentioned something else that I think is really important because there's a theme here. You spoke of grief and going through that grieving process as you were making your transformation. You talk about how did, you had to feel the initial feelings. Let's not, let, we, we can't dance around this. Grief, feeling the feelings, being open to other groups of men, this takes a certain level of vulnerability. So what does it take for a man to, I think a true man is vulnerable, but there's so many men out there who think I'm being manly, I'm not being vulnerable. What does it take for a guy to cross over from understanding that, no, through vulnerability comes power? And how do you do that with the guys that you're working with? 
Yeah, that, that's really good. The first thing for me is if you are in like a position of leadership or you have done some of this work is to lead with that. The best way to get a group men to open up is to share some stuff that normally you wouldn't talk about yourself. Um, so that's just a quick thing for the leaders out there. Um, in terms of getting there, I had a coach once who said to me, I, I was working through you know, emotional processing, some pain, some grief, some anxiety. I was having all these feelings that were stopping me from acting properly. And they're like, well, does a strong man do hard stuff? I was like, yeah, obviously. And they go, well, what could be harder than feeling your feelings and like actually going there? And I was like, oh, don't say that because now I got to do it. And yeah. that's it just hit me, man. So if you want to talk about being manly and you can't even face your feelings because you're too scared, not manly at all. And I think we really need to break this paradigm. And it's not it's not about crying all the time. You don't have to go to your buddy and be like, oh, I'm so sad. My wife nope. was mean to me. Like, no, not at all. But if you're like, bro, I'm feeling the weight of the fact that I'm not sure if I'm doing right by my kids. They're going to, you know, this sport now. They've got a cell phone. I'm not sure how to manage that. And I honestly don't know what to do. Like that kind of stuff. Or just saying, bro, I'm feeling like depressed today. I've had guys like bro like friends, brothers reach out and be like, bro, can we just talk for now? I'm feeling really like down on myself. I know it's nothing. I just need you to like make, sh make sure that I don't feel alone right now. Can we just talk about you for a while? It's like, yeah, yeah sure. Let's do it. And the same sort of thing. I've done that before as well. So it's a reframe, I would say, first of all, which is understanding that, yeah, strong men do hard things like deal with the emotions. And it's such a cultural thing, I think. And that's what I've been really trying to fight back against, including that post that you mentioned uh, before we started recording. Yeah. I'm just trying to call people out not to accept what culture and society tells them to do because it's leading people into the ground. I mean, look, look around. And in my perspective, I'm looking around going like, I don't want any of this. Right. I'm not going to do anything that everybody, the, you know, the, the people who are so-called in charge tell me to do. And so that includes men being a certain way, the so-called man box, like, no, bro, I'm not playing that game. I'm a leader. And that means that I'm going to be hard to kill, easy to love and equipped to lead. And that's the dad work thing. I don't want to just be hard to kill because then I'm a tyrant. Then I'm an a-hole. Then I can't connect with my wife and kids. If you're not emotional, your wife and kids are how are you yep. going to build an amazing marriage and have impactful, influential fatherhood if you don't know what your feelings are like and you snap every time someone feels something or you close up and you can't deal with it? Like you that's will lose them. And so if that's not motivation enough to feel some feelings and at least get good at it, I don't know what is. And so like the final reframe I might offer is I call it emotional mastery. I don't call it emotional intelligence. I don't call it any of those things because I think those have a, a bit of a... I don't know. Men think something about those, right? There's a connotation to those that yeah. guys don't necessarily like. Yeah. I call that it emotional mastery. For, that it's not for me. It's not yeah, for me. It's, it's for, easy for to say else. like, yeah. exactly. So when I like the word mastery, like, of course, I'm, I want to be masterful of that. Yeah. And for me, mastery is, okay, you're an emotional master. Therefore you have self-control. Hmm. Number one, you can control your own emotions. They do not get the best of you, but you are not some automaton who doesn't feel them. So going back to what we were talking about before, you can navigate when hard things happen without being totally overwhelmed by them. But on the other hand, being an emotional master is also understanding emotions in other people. So you cannot build intimacy in your marriage if you do not build trust. I think trust is the currency of intimacy. And how do you build trust? It's by being vulnerable. It's about being open. It's about seeing in to someone else's life. 
saying, hey, it looks like you're really frustrated right now, babe. What can I do? Can I just listen? Do you need me to do something? And being there for her emotions, your children's emotions, they will feel seen so that the intimacy of all your relationships goes up. And with intimacy and trust comes influence. So in all of these things, if you want to lead your home, you literally cannot do it, in my opinion, without having an emotional mastery. Wow. And there's such a range of emotion. Like you started by saying, guys, it's not crying on your buddy's shoulder all the time. Although there's times for that. Sure. Like, yeah. There is a range of emotion. And you also mentioned anger and frustration. So anger and frustration and sadness and hurt, like all of these things, you need to be able to process through these and you can't do it on your own. And I want to talk about, you just briefly mentioned, I mentioned a post that you have uh, put on your Instagram just recently that I saw. And part of processing emotion is able to enter into a conversation where you disagree with someone, but you disagree with someone in a way where you're seeking clarification, where you're observing and you're asking questions and you're seeking clarification. But you made this post and it was about sport. And I'm, I'm a guy who has my kids in sport. I grew up in sport. I know you played sport, but it does not run our life. And we are very clear on that. And so when I read it, I was like, oh yeah, all right. And then boom, a hundred and something comments. I read through <laughs> guys were triggered by that. Being triggered is not the same thing as disagree. I think if you disagree, you're able to process through, ask questions for clarification and open a dialogue. But why, man, you like, if you're, if you don't know what we're talking about right now, this will come out soon. Just go back and Kurt made a post on his Instagram about like not letting sport just run your life. But that was just like one slide in the whole post. You got to go read the whole post. It was very clear. People didn't read the entire post no. and <laughs> guys just were triggered and they're like lashing out at you and saying things. I'm like, wow, like how old are these guys? It's like that inner child that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, why are men so easily triggered? And I think I know where you're going with this, but why are men so easily triggered? Man. Yeah. So the, I think maybe just like very brief context, the, the slide that it yeah. starts with is stop sacrificing your family at the altar of kids, sports and activities, right. attending church, eating together and a peaceful, harmonious home are more important. And the idea is I have talked to many families, dads who spend hours every week driving their kids to and fro. They're missing meals. They're eating in the car. They're going to bed at 11 o'clock, waking up in the morning to do it again. It's madness. And if you as a father are not intentionally leading your family, something else is, and that is fate. When mm. you are not sitting down with everyone, if you are not making sure that the culture of the family is one of connectedness and togetherness, then you'll drift apart. And you cannot be surprised when your kids leave the home and don't ever want to call you or come back. And you cannot be surprised when your kids leave the home and your wife's like, we don't even have a relationship anymore. See ya. And so my goal here on Instagram is partially to trigger men. Yep. And I do that very intentionally. And the reason is, I think it's sort of hard in the moment if you're feeling triggered to understand this, I would rather trigger you on Instagram where like, it doesn't matter. You just unfollow me. Like, don't look at my post. That's the easiest way <laughs> yeah. not to see it. And so the thing is, though, I'd rather trigger you now on Instagram. If you've got like some stuff going on that aren't, that isn't great at home. If you know that you're not showing up the best, if you know your kids are starting to like get more influenced by their peers, if you know you haven't been intimate with your wife for like a year, you could be doing better. There are things clearly mm. wrong there. And so if I can show you that and make you look at it, because you're just scrolling through, looking at pictures, and then you see something and you're like, oh no, it's like a mirror. 
you're going to have that initial triggered reaction. And I hope that by doing that, the men who are triggered will be triggered to action because it calls out in them something to be improved. Yeah. Now, that's way better than the pain that comes from regret 20 years from now when you've missed your opportunity and lost your family. So I will never ever apologize for triggering guys on Instagram yeah. because I hope it saves families. Now, why are men so triggered? Because they are so unintentionally going through life many in many cases and are missing the boat in many other cases. Mm -hmm. And finally, probably feel hopeless because nobody taught them how to do better in the, in the first place. Yeah. And so it's like, it is such a hard, almost like a trifecta of what I'm trying to do here. And I was talking about this the other day with someone, I'll, I'll probably forget all three points now. So I'm just going to scrap that trifecta for a second, but it's like, I need to be able to tell you, Hey bro, you can do better. I need to, maybe this was it. I need to tell you, you can do better. I need to teach you how to do better. And I need to accept the fact and give forgiveness and grace to the fact that nobody taught you in the first place. Mm. And if you can just get those as being true, then you can move on with curiosity, like you were saying. But if you're like not willing to look at where you have failed, if you are hurting from something like in my life had happened in the past and you don't have those tools, I call it the emotional digestive tract. So anything you had eaten emotionally is just sitting in your sort of gut rotting. If you don't have that tract to digest it, of course, you're going to be hurt. Of course, you're going to be upset. You don't have the communication skills or the emotional mastery skills to navigate when something feels bad. And to be told that you are not doing a good job is very triggering to a lot of people, I think, because it's so confronting. We don't like to be called out because it means that we are not good. It means like you were saying before, I'm not good enough yeah. or that I'm not good compared to everyone else. And that I think is very isolating even more to a man who's probably isolated already. So there I are probably millions of reasons why guys are triggered, but yeah. I think they generally come down to unintentionality and just doing a bad job with nobody having told them in the first place. Sorry. And the amazing thing is that guys will take the time to hit comment and type in the comment because your post has intentionally triggered them to action and they don't know how to respond. And so there's this internal piece in there. I think it's so powerful. You put a message out there because your purpose is to trigger them to action. Like, but it also elicits self-awareness. And when you're triggered by reading Kurt's post and you want to comment, you're just, you're in the crowd putting your hand up saying, Hey, I need help with this. Yeah. Right. Yes. Like exactly. that's what that shows. And I think there it, it's time for men like you and others. I love the work that you do to help men know that it's okay to put up your hand and say, I need help by actually saying I need help <laughs> as opposed mm -hmm. to like, tr like lashing out at somebody who says something that kind of hits you in the heart a little bit, because you know, that you, you said togetherness and connectedness. And I've heard this by men that I I'm close with and I work with that are like, well, yeah, but Cam, like we are together all the time. We're in the job. We do road trips. We do that. I'm like, yeah, but you're going to a hockey tournament for a seven-year-old. That's eight hours away. Like, like th is this connectedness and togetherness or is this forced togetherness? Okay. Like let's be intentional with our time together. And so I really appreciate that post. That's pretty fresh. That was yesterday, I believe. And yeah, there's like that. 230 something posts now or comments it. now. It is so harsh, man. Like the people in there are just, just giving it to me. And it's so interesting that the people who comment are the ones who have thought about it 
and not only thought about it, wrote it, and not only wrote it, but then pressed send. Like, I can't even imagine going through that without any then, stops along the way. And then but, come back to it. To yes, see, and, and double down. Responded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and double down and call me more names. But you know what was really cool? I noticed as well that it, it seems that the people who want to fight are in the comments. Yeah. But the saints are in the DMs. I got like so 10 or 20 different people. Yeah. They're like, hey, bro, I'm like not going to comment, obviously. But just so you know, like I'm on your side, I'm praying for you, like keep going. So I just want to like anybody who can encourage someone as well. I was talking about that to a, uh, with a buddy of mine today on encouragement, just FYI, if you guys can encourage someone, maybe make that um, a challenge for yourself today. Just tell someone that you know that they're doing a good job and that you see them because that was so impactful just to get a few DMs of people I don't know who are like, yeah, good job, man. It's like, okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> You're doing good work. You are doing yeah. good work. And Thank I you. just want to let you know that. Um, and I've been, we have all had our share of haters. So I just wanted to let you know you're doing amazing work. Um, I always ask this question. So this is one that I'll ask every guest. It's probably the only question I ask every guest is you, you've spoken a lot about the helping men and, um, we'll talk about your program in just a few moments, but as a dad personally, man, four kids between six months and 10 years old. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. As a father and as a husband, what's one area of growth, personal growth that you're excited about or digging into right now? Man, this is for me, spiritual growth specifically. This is letting go of me needing to know all the things. This is me letting, I can't, I'm not even going to say it, letting go and letting God. I was going to say that and I literally cannot because (laughs) it's such a silly thing. Um, But I used to look at the world as like a box, this is so weird, man. It's just the way that my mind pictures it. A box is around me filled with one inch cubes and I want to be able to see and touch every single one inch cube around me so that I know what's behind every single nook and cranny. That makes me feel safe and secure and comfortable, but it doesn't allow for God to work. He's like, okay, you you want to be in control of your entire universe? Go for it. I'll give you over to that. And I'm like, yeah, it makes me feel safe. And he's like, well, yeah, I can't work then. So I have been humbled so bad the last two months, especially it has completely shattered my identity from who I thought I was, from all of these old stories, from these limiting beliefs that I had about who I was in myself and not being likable, not being able to be supported by other people, um, having to prove myself and carry things over and over and over. And in that, I'm literally shedding who I thought I was for my entire life and rebuilding who God says that I am. And that is remarkable. I cannot overstate the change in my life. And it's so hard to do that when you're also doing the kids and the marriage and the business, and especially the business that's so vulnerable like this. My business is my literal story of my life. And that's so weird to be able to be like, hey guys, I just learned something that totally rocked me and it's super vulnerable. Here it is. So I know that's you know a longer answer perhaps, but Fantastic. it's like, who am I and how can I just trust that my security doesn't come in my bank account. For me, that's that's a big one, but in God. And that is dying to self every moment of the day. And it is so hard and I hate it sometimes, but I know that God is good and that's what's the best for me. So that's where I'm growing right now. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. Appreciate your vulnerability. Uh, you mentioned your business. Tell us more about what you do, the men you work with and the purpose behind that. Yeah, it's called dad work. And it came out of just my own struggles. Like everything I just talked about, I was like, at the end of it, when I, well, not the end of it, but throughout it, I was like, man, I'm kind of getting better. This is awesome. I don't scream at my kids anymore. And as my marriage started to get good instead of awful, it's like, it would be sweet to just, I don't know, talk on a stage one day about how to actually do this work for dads. 
there's a lot of stuff on motherhood out there. There's a lot of stuff for, you know, people, but it's different when you're a dad. It's so different to do any work on yourself because there's consequences. There's consequences both ways to your own lineage as well as to the future. And so I wanted to just help like one guy not get to the point where he wanted to kill himself because that's where I was. Um, and so that's where it came from. And it's sort of grown and taken leaps and bounds where we've got the Instagram, we've got the dad work podcast, um, and we've got a coaching group. I'm just, I'm literally before I was talking, he was building out, um, the landing page for a new membership and course community we're putting out. Um, and the whole point is to help dads become confident family leaders who are hard to kill, easy to love and equipped to lead. And I hope build like an army or a community of guys who are like a shield to their families, mm -hmm. because I think everyone's out to get the kids right now. And I think it's very important that we as men who love truth and beauty and goodness can band together so that we're not that isolated island. So I just want to be the place, the movement, the sort of candle in the dark that guys can come and, and go around to not only like get the brotherhood, because that's the core part of what we do, but also to get the skills. Because I've been in so many coaching groups where they just rah, 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 um, and try and fire you up. But if you're in a storm and you don't actually know how to like sail the boat that you're on, no matter how hard you're trying, you'll probably still drown. So we give the brotherhood, the mentorship, as well as the relational skills to get you there. Um, and yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I love it. Kurt, if somebody wants to connect with you, find out more about you, listen to the podcast, where can they do that? Yeah. Dad work podcast. Anywhere you listen to podcasts is probably the number one place. Instagram dadwork.kurt. And then uh, you can get our free 10 day elite dad challenge at dad.work slash challenge. It's just a free email series we offer. Perfect. And we'll make sure all that connection is down in the show notes. Uh, Kurt, I appreciate you. Thank you for taking time away from your beautiful family to spend with us. And I hope you have a fantastic journey ahead of you. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks, brother. I appreciate this. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now, who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.